This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. When T-Mobile says we've got you covered, we mean it. We've invested billions to light up our best network yet, covering 99% of people in America. And great coverage is just the beginning. Every year, families and small businesses can save up to 900 bucks versus Verizon when they switch to T-Mobile. There's never been a better time to switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store and switch today. Coverage is not available in some areas. Savings with four lines based on analysis of Verizon and T-Mobile national postpaid smartphone bills, rate plan features, taxes and fees, and savings may vary. See details at T-Mobile.com. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to Rico Bronia. Oh, my God. There, there are games in which you have a lot of anxiety where you have a pit in your stomach, where your stomach is churning, where you want to go to the bathroom 15 times, this finale against the Philadelphia Phillies fit all of that. This went from an accepted loss when the debuting Jose Budo gives up four runs in the first inning. It goes from accepted loss to, all right, go make things interesting, to another accepted loss, to great comeback, to, all right, I guess we're going to lose, to rain delay, to I think we're going to lose, to holy crap, this is the win of the year, to god damn it, this is when Edwin Diaz is going to implode, into yes! I don't know if I captured every piece of emotion from the finale of this four-game series between the Mets and the Phillies with that rain delay mixed in. I may have got the timing of the rain delay a little bit off, but that was an excruciating incredible, horrible, amazing, I can't deal with this in October feeling of a baseball game as the Mets win three out of four against Philadelphia. And as I'm watching the bottom of the ninth inning, of course, this on the heels of Mark Canna being Superman, hitting the game-winning or what we thought would be game-winning two-run home run, and Brandon Nimmo putting the cherry on top. As Edwin Diaz is looking very, very human, and was very, very lucky, let's be perfectly honest, I was almost rationalizing in my brain acceptance. The acceptance of, look, he was bound to have a bad day. He was bound to have an implosion. I probably would have said at some point on this podcast, hey, Pete, you know what? Let's get this out of the way in August. Let's get the Diaz bad performance out of the way now, and hopefully he can bounce back. I was accepting that, especially after he almost gave up a three-run home run to Bryson Stott and then almost gave up a home run to Nick Maton. I'm not sure which moment I was convinced the Mets were going to lose, but watching that entire ninth inning, 
I was not exactly brimming with confidence. And then somehow he freezes Derek Hall, strikes him out. I let out this grunt, very loud grunt, an excited grunt. And I quickly grabbed my phone. And what did I text you, Pete? Clean it up because it was a very dirty text. Remember what I texted you right as uh, Derek Hall struck out looking? Uh, you said, I'm trying to go back. Oh, oh yeah. F yeah. Yeah. I said F yeah. Because I was damn pumped up. I wasn't confident in that ninth inning. You weren't confident in that ninth inning either. Who are you kidding? I mean, I, I felt that that was um, like Edwin Diaz was due, and I was <laughs> I was I was nervous. That that Nimmo home run was never more timely. I know, I know. It's weird. There's never going to be a good time to implode. There's never a good time to blow a save. This one was definitely not a good time. It felt like another one of those swing games in terms of the standings with Atlanta actually losing. The fact that they could win this series against the Phillies. The fact that if they lose this game, it's back-to-back losses to Philadelphia. But I'm sure I can find any game until the Mets clinch the division, assuming they ever do that, where I could rationalize where it's a bad time to blow a game. But yeah, I think we're all sitting back waiting for the Diaz implosion. But much like I said, I think it was last week when he survived I think it was the Philadelphia Phillies last weekend. It's good to see Edwin Diaz be ineffective. It's good to see him not be incredibly dominant and sharp and find a way. And that's what he was able to do in the finale of this series. He found a way. The Phillies had a game plan of attacking him early. JT Riamuto, first pitch, base hit. Castellanos, first pitch, blue base hit. Wasn't the first pitch by Stott or Maton, but both guys drove the baseball very well. We're off the bat, you're thinking, game-winning three-run home run. And even after losing Gene Segura, fell behind, got it to 3-2, and he walks him. And now the Mets are a base hit away from losing. Edwin Diaz is able to find a way. So credit to him. Now, he was just the exclamation point in this game. The finale of this series... The real swing of this series, because a split would have been acceptable. I said that going in, especially with the pitching situation. But a split after you win the first two games doesn't feel as good as maybe some other splits, like the split against the Dodgers a couple of months ago. But this was a typical 2022, they won't die, relentless, you can push me over, I'll get right back up kind of victory by this team. And I don't know if this tops the Philly game from a few months ago. I'm not sure if this tops the Cardinals game from April. Uh, There is a long list of great Mets victories. A lot of them. I don't know if this is number one, but this was as sweet and as good as it gets. Because like I said at the top, when you look at the pitching matchup going into the finale of this series, not that Kyle Gibson is Steve Carlton, he's not. And the Mets have done a great job against Kyle Gibson. But when you've got Jose Budo on the mound making his major league debut, and you basically have a bullpen and Buck managed this way, that he didn't want to touch. They called up Nate Fisher. He was going to come into the game. Outside of that, yeah, you were going to get your inning out of Trevor May. Edwin Diaz was probably going to get into this game, but you didn't have much else. Seth Lugo was probably not available. Adebanovino was probably not available. Joely Rodriguez was not available. So I wouldn't call this a punt game. That's a phrase I've heard a lot from Yankee fans over the last couple of years. This is a punt lineup. This is a punt handling of the bullpen. It's not that you're punting. It's that you don't have a lot available. 
based on the way the last few days have gone, based on the fact that you had a doubleheader, based on the fact that Carlos Carrasco got hurt and Taiwan Walker got hurt. You were in this situation, and Buck Showalter had that attitude in that first inning of, I got to find a way for Budo to get through it. And I'm not going to wax poetic about what Budo did. He gave up seven runs in four innings. But thank God he was at least able to pitch a scoreless second, a scoreless third. And even though he gave up another three-run home run to Alec Bowman in the fourth inning, he gave them four innings. Not that it was good. He gave up seven runs. That sucks. But the Mets needed innings from somewhere. The real hero was this Nate Fisher. Nate Fisher comes into this game. Right out of the gate, Bryson Stott's giving him like a 10-pitch at-bat. And here's Nate Fisher working through trouble. Here's Nate Fisher working through a rain delay. He gets bailed out by some great defense. Mark Cannon with that diving play in left. Jeff McNeil, who's played some great defense all year long, but specifically over the last couple of days. And then he picks off Bryson Stott. Nate Fisher who may never pitch for the New York Mets again. Let's be perfectly honest. He comes up, he pitches three innings, he's probably gone. But Nate Fisher, if the Mets win a World Series, you definitely deserve your ring. A lot of guys do. Isn't that kind of the story of the Mets? They've had a lot of guys come through and at least contribute on some level. I know they mentioned it a lot during the broadcast the last few days, but Nick Plummer, who got DFA'd recently and is now back in the Mets minor league system. Nick Plummer! it's a game-tying home run from the ashes of defeat. Now you've got Nate Fisher giving you three innings. And it'll be forgotten about because they didn't come back in the finale of the doubleheader. But how about the performance by even Rob Straczynski giving him an inning and Steven Nagosik giving him eight outs? Again, Mets didn't come back, so you kind of just ignore it. But they were at least able to keep them in the game on a night where David Peterson was knocked out in the fifth inning. So all year long we've seen this. Guys come out of nowhere and step. Michael Perez! How could I forget him? We were all mocking that trade. Michael Perez in game one of the doubleheader comes through with an out-of-nowhere two-run single. Gary and Ron, even I'm thinking the same thing. Hey, maybe you should pinch hit for Perez. Is it too early to do it in the fifth inning? Meanwhile, he shut us up. Two-run single. And then today comes up through with an RBI single as they're trying to come back in this game. They've had a lot of guys do this. A lot of guys just step up. A lot of guys who, you know, you never heard of. I mean, Nate Fisher was working in a bank a year ago. That's one of those great stories. Guy's working in a freaking bank. (laughs) And he comes in and gives him three scoreless inning and keeps him in the game. It was one of those games. And game two of the doubleheader was the same way, except it didn't work out. It was one of those games where you were going to need your offense to step up. The last three games the Mets played, not the opener, in which Chris Bassett did a fine job, and the Mets really did an excellent job of beating up Aaron Nola, but Chris Bassett gives you the six innings. That's your typical, hey, this is the Mets sort of at full strength kind of win. But when you look at the doubleheader and you look at this game on Sunday, those are the kinds of games when you're asking Trevor Williams, who's not used to starting, you saw with how quick of a hook Buck had on him, he's not stretched out to throw 95 pitches. When you've got David Peterson, who's been on that train between AAA and the majors, and obviously in the finale, when you've got Jose Budo pitching, the way you're going to win this game is you're going to have to score a lot of runs and guys are going to have to step up. And they were able to do it in the finale of this series. Like I said, this was a game you accepted right from the get-go down 4-0. They're going to lose this game. 
and you can see why. And every excuse is written. You got a kid making his major league debut. He gave up four runs in the first inning. He gave up a three-run home run to the third batter of the game. It's an accepted loss, and they wouldn't give up. And guess who got the last laugh in this series? You know who got the last laugh in this series? Keith effing Hernandez. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Because every time the Phillies made a mistake and the Mets didn't, I kept thinking about Keith talking about the fundies. The error by Alec Bohm in the second inning. The error by Bradley Zimmer in the second inning leading to two unearned runs. The great defense by Jeff McNeil. The great defense by Mark Canna. How about the Mets executing the double steal, which they did effectively in, I think it was game one of the doubleheader, if memory serves correct. I have to look at my scorecard, but you don't care enough. Executing the steal of the double steal and the steal of home, and the Phillies unable to execute it. And the Mets making the play. Every time the Mets made a play and the Philadelphia Phillies didn't make a play, which was significant throughout this four-game series, I thought of that beautiful mustached man laughing, saying, Say, fundies, fundies. Yeah, fundies are terrible. <laughs> Good job, Keith. How about the ass whipping the Mets gave the Phillies throughout this year? 14 out of 19. Now, that doesn't mean crap if they play in the playoffs. I think we all understand that. If the Mets and Phillies see each other again, and that is entirely possible with the way the format is, you could throw it all out the window, but what a job they did all year against Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Look at the first two games of this series. The Mets did an outstanding job against supposedly the Phillies' top pitchers. And what they did against Nola and Wheeler, and they did it against Kyle Gibson on Sunday, and they do it to everybody, is they work you to death. It's very Yankees of the late 90s-like in which they may not pound you, they may not score a ton of runs against you, but they're going to make you throw a ton of pitches. And most guys are not throwing 110 pitches. Most teams have a weak bullpen. The Phillies' bullpen became weak as the weekend went on. Sir Anthony Dominguez being hurt, weak in the bullpen. David Robertson being forced to have to get six outs and throw as many pitches as he did. 36 pitches in the second game of this doubleheader, weak in the bullpen. That's why we saw a compromise David Robertson in the finale of this series. But the Mets do such a great job of getting to you of making you throw a million pitches. They didn't do it against Max Fried in that finale against Atlanta, but in this series against the Phillies, they did it to Aaron Nola. He throws 104 pitches in five innings. They also scored five runs against him, but still. Zach Wheeler, 106 pitches in five and a third innings. The guy they couldn't get to, and it just cracks you up, is Bailey Falter. (laughs) That was the one guy they couldn't get to. They couldn't make Bailey Falter throw that many pitches. And, and they took him out after like 64, uh, 84 pitches in six innings. 
He's the one guy they couldn't get to. But they did a great job in this series of hitting Aaron Nola, of hitting Zach Wheeler, and of guys stepping up, which we have seen throughout this season. That's a great series victory. And I have to admit, when the Mets are down early in this game, and I'm behind on DVR, not by a lot. I'll take you through how I watch Saturday's games. It's insane. But for Sunday's games, I got back from North Carolina at about 1.30, unpacked the car, started the game probably about 45 minutes late. So I was able to catch up by the fourth or fifth inning. But as they're down early in this game, I'm very quickly going to my phone to see what's going on with the Braves. Because the Atlanta Braves don't lose. And we are now at a point in this season and at a point in this race in which their outcomes are affecting me almost as much as the Met outcomes. I got to tell you. Because, let's be honest, if it's all about winning the division, and that's all it is right now, there's no other focus. It's winning the National League East. They're not trying to catch the Dodgers. They're not trying to hold off a team in the National League Central for one of the top two records. It is strictly the Atlanta Braves. That's it. Nothing else matters. No other scoreboard watching matters. It is the Atlanta Braves. And to see the Braves win every single night, and look, credit to the Braves. They took care of the Mets. They won three out of four. Hard-fought series. They won that big swing game in game four. I give them major props. I've given them props all year. I've always said they're not going away. We need to respect the defending world champions. They are for a reason. But every time you look up, they're winning. And you figured this weekend against Houston, maybe the Mets would get some help. Maybe we as fans would get some help. Now, they were a little lucky. They dodged Justin Verlander. They dodged Framber Valdez. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's the way baseball works. The, Yanke- the Mets are getting lucky against the Yankees. They're dodging Nestor Cortez. They're dodging Garrett Cole despite his struggles. I mean, I'll take it. Not going to complain. But for the Braves to go out and win Saturday the way they did, I got to admit, I felt very defeated Saturday night. Despite the Mets winning two of the first three games against the Phillies and splitting the doubleheader, something I said to Pete on the recall a few days ago, just get a split against the Phillies, especially with the way the pitching's lined up. I felt beaten because of what Atlanta's doing. So to see the Braves get tripped up on Sunday, out coming out of the Met rain delay, I had an attitude of, all right, you know what? Not going to lose another game in the standings. We'll be at least three games up going into the two games against the Yankees. They're going into a series against Pittsburgh. Okay, not the end of the world. Still like my three-game lead. I still like it. So I'm at a point, and I think this was, this weekend was the first time I felt this way, where the outcomes of the Brave games are almost on a level now to the outcome of the Met games. And why not? They don't play each other until the first week of October. That final three-game series, the final weekend of the regular season in Atlanta, that's it. So if we all agree, 98 wins, 102 wins, 105 wins, doesn't matter as long as they're better than the Atlanta Braves. That's all that matters. They win 102 games. If they don't win the NL East, we're all going to be disappointed. Doesn't mean we blame the Mets. Just means we're going to be disappointed. That's why these Brave games matter. You can mock me in April, May, and June for scoreboard watching. Now the scoreboard watching matters. So to see Atlanta lose the finale of this series to Houston, there was, and I can't be alone in this, there was a sense of, okay, all right, three games up, probably going to lose this game, we move on. Obviously, Mark Hanna had other ideas. But let's get to the rest of the series and everything we saw this weekend. We'll look ahead to the Subway series, which is, I got to tell you, I, I know I said this last month, 
Mets-Yankees, it's irrelevant. It's the Mets trying to hold off Atlanta and the Yankees trying to figure out their own issues. That's it. Like, this Met-Yankee rivalry, there is no rivalry to me. And we're going to yell at each other at Yankee Stadium, but it's literally about the Mets and their situation, and it's about the Yankees and their situation. The first game of this series was pivotal, though. And we said this last time on the Rico. Coming off that loss to Atlanta, the one game in which you had a starting pitcher that you could somewhat trust in Chris Bassett because the rest of the series was going to be a big wild card with Williams, Peterson, and we didn't know Buda was going to make the start, but you had a pretty good idea it wasn't going to be Taiwan Walker. And it shouldn't have been Taiwan Walker. Chris Bassett did an outstanding job of fighting through trouble. That's what Bassett's done all year. It's what he was able to do in this game. He's able to fight and claw and give you six innings. We saw the Mets take advantage of working up that pitch count of Aaron Nola. A lot of great at-bats. Obviously, Pete Alonzo hits that two-run home run. Jeff McNeil had that great at-bat in the third inning, a nine-pitch at-bat before he ripped an RBI single. That was actually the game where they successfully executed the double steal with Lindor stealing second, Marte stealing home, and really the Phillies, who lack in fundies, just as Keith Hernandez, couldn't take advantage of it. You got Brett Beatty coming through with a big two-run single. It was really the only good thing he did this weekend against Philadelphia. It was not a great series for the young one. Okay, it's not a big deal. Mets won anyway. He should still play third base every single day, and he will. But that was about clutch hitting early, Alonzo hitting the two-run home run, and fighting the Philadelphia Phillies off. And even when the Phillies make it a little bit closer and make it a 5-2 game when they finally get to Chris Bassett and Kyle Schwarber comes through with that two-run single in the fifth inning, the Mets are at least able to respond with the huge hit from Beatty that broke open the game. Very, very important to take the opener of this series and behind Chris Bassett fighting through six innings, they were able to do it. And credit to Joely Rodriguez. I got to give him some love. Because every once in a while, that broken clock is right. And he had a very dominant 1-2-3 inning when every inning and every out's important because you know pitching, you're going to be limited. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here 
on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.